So, Brian, today on our uh, Lead.exe, we have another great um, topic that a lot of people are probably talking about today, um, you know, um, remote working. It's it's all about how you effectively lead wherever you're at. That's ultimately what it comes down to. I feel like that's the correct answer. You know, we, we dived into a lot of um, topics, and, and you would think that, you know, us being technology guys, we're going to talk about virtual desktops and VPNs <laughs> and Office 365, SharePoint, but um, we didn't talk about any of that, really. We kind of talked about some of it in the beginning, but, um, you know, like, like you said, most of this is just core leadership, you know, um, topics and ideas that leaders just need to know and, and do in general. And there's a variety of reasons why you should embrace a remote work policy. It's it's not just about creating work-life balance. It's about how do you manage a growing organization where you've got disparate teams? How do you leverage great talent from wherever they are and make them a part of your team, uh, even if you can't be in the same geophysical space? Uh, how do you interact with uh, other teams that might be onboarded in either long or short term who are offshore operations to wherever you're located. So all of those things factor into it. Bottom line is principles of leadership are the same. You communicate clearly what your expectations are. You set deadlines. You manage to accountability. You lead by example and you maintain consistency with everyone who's on the team, whether they're sitting five feet away from you or on the other side of the planet. I don't think I could have said that any better, Brian. I guess with, with that uh, golden nugget you just uh, gave us there, we're just going to go ahead and let people listen to the show. All right. Away we go. Welcome to another edition of Lead.exe. I'm Brian Comerford in Denver, Colorado. And I'm Nick Lozano in Washington, D.C. And today we're going to chit-chat about remote workforce. It's a uh, topic that seems to stir deep emotions in a lot of different people for a variety of reasons. But uh, I think there's uh, some clear uh, intersection points with leadership traits uh, that we can bake into the conversation. I don't know. What do you think, Nick? No, I think it's a big topic. It's seeming like, you know, competing for talent, um, salary is not the top factor anymore, right? It's that work-life balance um, and being able to remote work, you know, People want to be able to live in cheaper locations, right, other than New York City or San Francisco, um, but still benefit and get some of the, you know, salary perks. Um, you know, e even though they might pay you less because you're fully remote, you still might make more than if you, you know, lived in Omaha, right, and you worked out of New York City. They'll pay you less. You know, it's kind of a win-win, right? They'll pay you less, and you'll make more money than if you worked in downtown Omaha, probably. Uh, you know, just disclaimer, I've never been to Omaha. I don't know what the salaries are <laughs> like there. I'm just using it as, um, you know, an example that because Omaha is pretty far away from New York City, and we know the salaries are, are pretty exorbitant there because the cost of living is is ridiculously out of control, um, as you can imagine. But, um, you know, we, we've seen this over the years that remote work is just trying to be one of those things that leaders are trying to figure out how how do we give you know this benefit to people to allow them to remote work so that we can compete on more than just salary well i've heard tell from folks like warren buffett that uh, real estate appreciation is still pretty solid in omaha 
Uh. <laughs> I don't know why that popped in my head, but you know, I'm like, I'll just just pick a middle of the country, Omaha. <laughs> no, it's all good. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, uh, I think it's it's not just about uh, the work life balance. Uh, I think another uh, challenge that we've run into in some of the markets that I've had to recruit in, uh, you don't always find the best talent in certain markets. And if you can offer remote work access, you might actually get better talent. It might not actually even be about paying someone a geographic differential. Um, you, you might actually end up paying someone more who's a remote worker um, because they actually have the type of talent that is needed for a specific capability in a specific site where uh, you're just topping out on trying to find uh, the right talent to be able to hire into that role. So um, to me, it gives flexibility to both the employer as well as the employee. Um, and as we've really seen technology continue to advance with the secure access capabilities, uh, I have you know, uh, equal confidence whether someone's physically sitting at a desk inside the walls of the organization where my network is running versus sitting at home on their Wi-Fi using VPN or, uh, you know, some other kind of remote access capability. Yeah, no, VPN, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree with you. There, there was a time where remote work was difficult, right? We had to have the VPNs. So that means we had to have the throughput. We had to have the high enough, you know, internet circuits that could deal with the traffic in and the traffic out at the same time. And now with things like Amazon Workspaces and Microsoft even, I think, recently released an Azure Workspace virtual desktop infrastructure, Um it's getting very cost effective for even small organizations with probably as few as 10 people to be able to have com this complete, you know, desktop infrastructure, you know, like your HP or your IBM or, or um, you know, some big old enterprise iron grade thing. You don't need to have, you know, an IT staff, you know, with a hundred million dollar budget to be able to put together this architecture infrastructure where people can work remotely and you don't have to worry about anything or what computer they're on. Um, and even with the rise of, you know, just online tools in general, right? Mm -hmm. Like we don't install CRMs anymore for the most part, you know, people are using Salesforce or Microsoft Dynamics or, or whatever and Sightly, whatever name, there's there's dozens of them um, or accounting systems. I can't, can't think the last time I've looked at any piece of software and going, you know, it'd be great if it had an on-premise <laughs> what i need is a thick client to install on a local hard drive exactly does it have you know a microsoft sql server license that's impossible to figure out the licensing scheme <laughs> for i would like that <laughs> um, so i think just as you know um you know, the consumerization, as we talked about before, of technology has driven these changes fast where people are coming in and they're expecting their enterprise-grade equipment to work the same way it does at home, which has been a burden for us, but it's also been a boon, right? <laughs> With all these players coming in, building all these technologies to to a from a consumer's perspective, which is all these things where you know, you and I had before would yell at these big players to fix something and they would never do it. They're like, ah, no, that's fine. They'll buy this because it's, you know, this is what we have. This is the only choice they have. You know? <laughs> um, 
but so you know side rant again as, as i always do but but like i was saying you know um technology has kind of allowed it you know organizations of all levels to kind of dip into explore this remote player market and like you said it's it's the ability to find the talent that you couldn't find before um if we're in rockford illinois which isn't very far from chicago but it's not um a huge city you know if we need an aws certified informatic and you know architecture engineer you know has a cert certificate in that we can just find somebody remotely who does that they don't have to necessarily be there for all we know they could be in tuscaloosa alabama <laughs> well i can tell you that in my years where i was just really focused on programming uh, I was the beneficiary of being able to work remote. In fact, working halfway around the world uh, during a time that I was having to care for some of my in-laws when, you know, things were, were not going well for their health. So, um, you know, there's, uh, there's also uh, the advantage to providing enough flexibility that you can actually retain an employee when there's the possibility that you might have to lose them otherwise, because if it comes down to something like family versus job, uh, you might put someone in a very difficult position if they don't have uh, an option like uh, a rem remote work policy. And I guess that's another question that comes, you know, to mind for me is, you know, at what point uh, do we really start to lack the trust in our workforce uh, that, things are going to get done. I mean, from a leadership perspective, um, you know, my, my philosophy has always been, I don't really care what time people are coming into work or what time they're leaving or what kind of personal appointments they keep, as long as they're showing up for the things that they've committed to show up for. And as long as they're delivering on the things that I need them to deliver on and that they've committed to, and then hold them accountable. To me, those are just basic leadership traits. So, because to be completely honest, I'm I'm not convinced that I'm going to have any better insight if I've got someone sitting 10 feet away from me in a cube that they're actually not on social media versus if they're at home on a webinar or, you know, in a, in a Skype meeting uh, and, you know, they're busy folding laundry while, uh, while you know they're they're talking business, so um, uh, you know I think it's interesting because you had pointed out kind of what prompted our whole conversation today is you had pointed out the social media post uh, that was pretty inflammatory about the idea that remote work was some kind of harebrained uh, millennial concoction uh, to allow them to be able to stay home and surf the web and peruse their social media outlets. <laughs> Well, let's just get one thing straight. You don't need to have a work computer to peruse social media. Everybody has a phone in their pocket nowadays. <laughs> right. You can peruse it on on some network that's not managed by some corporate employer. Um, and and I think you bring up a good point. It brings us back to the leadership component, right? We're not whether someone's remote or with you. We're still talking about leadership, right? You're spending your leadership capital capital, right? If I spent all my leadership capital on making sure that you're not on social media. I'm burning all the capital that I have on something that's really not important. I mean, for me, if you spend 10 minutes on social media, who cares? I don't care, right? As long as you go back and you say, you know, people are delivering when they say they're going to deliver. They're doing what they say they're going to do when they say they're going to do it. 
Um, I don't see where this issue is of letting people get on social media or letting them check the sports score. You know, at least for me, sometimes when I'm in development mode, sometimes I need stuff like that to step away and stop and think like I need to shut my brain off and look at something that has nothing to do with whatever I'm thinking about. Um, I don't know if you're kind of the same way, Brian, but when I get into something complicated and I'm stuck, I need to completely step away from everything. And, you know, it might be a mind-numbing thing just scrolling through my LinkedIn feed or or my Instagram feed and letting my brain reset and, and clear and walk away. It doesn't mean that people aren't working or they're not thinking. Um, you can't possibly expect your people to 100% work on work 100% of the time when they're on the clock. I mean, that's just, you know, um, you know, you're chasing something that's never, ever going to happen and you're burning your, your leadership capital um, on something that just doesn't even matter in the end. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Well, I need, I mean, I think you framed it, you know, because the fact is in, in days where, you know, my father's era of being in the workforce uh, that is to say pre-computer, right? Pre, <laughs> pre-mobile phone. Um, I'm not convinced that more work was getting done. Uh, in fact, you know, he, he came from an era of three martini lunches. So, um, let's <laughs> consider. How oh man, I'm only having two. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's consider how much of the work day, uh, got tossed out, you know, once, uh, lunch was finished. Um, but, uh, you know, again, to me, it's, you know, everything that we're talking about, those are the leadership characteristics um, that I think are the most critical. I, I think you bring up the point about uh, how do you best utilize your leadership capital? Um, I, I think it comes from setting the example that you want in the workplace, uh, being very consistent in your own behavior in accordance with what you say you want to have done. And setting clear policies, deadlines, expectations, all of those things, and holding people accountable. It's its really a pretty basic formula. And if you do that, and you do that with everybody, and you do it in the same way, and others in your workforce see that that's how you lead, then this entire argument goes out the window as far as I'm concerned. I mean, if, if the worry is really about productivity, um, then it's... Uh, an empty fallacy as far as I'm concerned. No, bravo, Brian, bravo. <laughs> so, and everything you said applies directly to if your workforce workforce is completely in front of you, right? Mm -hmm. We're not doing anything completely different. Like granted, when people are remote, you're probably checking in more, um, you know, checking in saying, hey, you guys doing okay? You know, maybe we're having zoom meetings or skype business meetings or whatever video conference system you want to use um but that necessarily doesn't mean that you know people are not being productive like i said look at those companies before that have been a hundred percent remote like buffer as well which is a social media tool that um you know people use to schedule their postings it's a digital marketing tool but you know they they've been a hundred percent remote from the beginning too so we're definitely seeing the successful thing of you know people being 100 remote and like you said back in the day before computers there was a chance for people to waste time <laughs> people will always find a way to waste time they don't need a computer to do that <laughs> oh absolutely and the fact is i mean either you're cultivating a, a culture that embraces all of those characteristics around you know hey i've got expectations that are placed on me these are the things that i'm expected to deliver here's how i'm expected to deliver it and you've got the kind of uh, interaction where, whether you call it a performance management culture or not, conversations are taking place so that 
there's there's no gray area for people. They know that these are what the expectations are and what your intent is as a leader. So, you know, whether you have a device or you have uh, an internet connection or you, you know, work on computers at a desk or you don't, I mean, to me, it's, you know, it's the same in every situation, you know, in, in that kind of context, leadership is leadership and either mm-hmm. you've got it in place or you don't. And if, if you're coming from a place that you're going to post something online for all the world to see and actually have the confidence to attach your name to a comment like the one that you shared with me. And this was uh, LinkedIn. So like it's legitimately your name. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, then, you know, that to me is, is one of those things that really begs to question uh, number one, have you ever been in a leadership role? Because it sounds like you don't understand some fundamentals around leadership. Number two, if you are in a leadership role, you may need to change your title because it sounds like you're not living up to some of the responsibilities that have been handed to you. Right. There's there's a balance here, right? And I'm going to go back to the leadership capital thing, right? If I'm yelling and screaming at you all the time to not waste your time on your phone, I'm burning my matches for things that just don't even matter, right? I mean, to me, it just it just doesn't even matter. If I'm yelling and screaming at you all the time that you're wasting your time on social media, and then I'm like, hey, Brian, um, by the way, you got that report? You're going to be like, screw that guy, man. And he's just like, just always yelling at me about something about being on my phone when I'm not actually on my phone all the time, right? We're, we're wasting our capital and not building a following. Um, it, it goes back to always what I say with you, Brian, is, you know, as leaders, we should always be standing with our hand out, willing to help people. You know, we trust that they're going to do the work, but we also go back and we verify, right? We trust, but we verify. Um, And we we don't get micromanager unless someone gives us a reason to micromanage them. And that's the way I always think about it. You know, if we have somebody who constantly shows up late, if we don't have the conversations early when they're five minutes late a couple times and then they start coming in 20 minutes late and then 30 minutes late then an hour late and then they just don't show up um well the onus is kind of us on as a leader to have those tough conversations before they come even harder right people have a tendency to shy away from tough conversations and not have them um when they should have them earlier when they're easier they do nothing but become harder right um, so i think the point that i'm trying to make here is that you know with even with remote workers and and people that you have with you you always trust but you verify you have to let them have some kind of leeway some self autonomy um where they can do stuff and some of that goes back to you know we've given clear direction right maybe they're wasting time because we didn't tell them what what our objective is here. Um, so they're waiting for somebody to tell them to do something because you've micromanaged them and always told them what to do. So they're like, oh, well, you know, Brian hasn't told me what to do today. So I'm just going to hang out on my phone until he tells me what to do because he always tells me what to do. Um, so when you're in a situation where you feel like people are wasting time, maybe that's when you need to step back, take a look at yourself and see how you're leading your team. Because if your team's standing around waiting for you to tell them to do something, you're probably micromanaging them and you don't realize it. Oh, amen to that. And, you know, you touched on a couple of things that I think are important to emphasize. The The first, you know, I come from uh, a scrum background, you know, as a scrum master, I'm accustomed to having these quick standups and that, you know, can become part of your culture, even if you're not a software development shop. 
um, where you just quickly gather your team or you know members of your department and uh, you know typically if it happens and it's the first thing that kicks off your day and it's always at the same time every day then it helps create those expectations oh this is part of the routine and what happens in that context well we go around the room and and we got you know our scrum master is going to guide us through three simple questions it's what did you work on yesterday what are you working on today what kind of obstacles have you uh, encountered uh, and ultimately it just opens the floor for some conversation now you've got some knowledge sharing that's happening uh, across all of the members of the team there's not this open question around well, what's he doing and what's that team working on over there and you know and it, where people can start to get into each other's business or you know you start to have this erosion of trust because people feel like they're operating in silos it also opens the floor to be able to have uh to your point nick an easy conversation right uh oh hey jimmy I, I noticed that you mentioned you're still working on that thing that you've been working on for the last four days and you've cited the same obstacle each time what can we do to help alleviate that for you because it seems like you're just kind of you know spinning your wheels right now so let's let's help help you get unstuck um, that's what good leaders should be able to do. It's it's not just about getting in and managing uh, the situation or managing your people or their work. It's really helping to set that direction and guidance so that people can be effective and also providing them with the independence so that they can act on their own authority in those situations. Communication is key. And I've always found it to a degree laughable that there's this phrase out there called courageous conversations, because to me, if if the conversation's at a point where it really has to be that courageous, then it sounds like people aren't talking to each other. Exactly. Some things have been building up that probably should have been aired out a lot sooner. You know. Yeah, because I'd, I'd rephrase that. I wouldn't say courageous, because like you said, that, that means we've gotten to a point where where I'm really getting sweaty having this conversation, <laughs> right? It should be uncomfortable. Conversations are a key, right? We have those conversations where it might not be comfortable for me as a leader or comfortable for the other person as, um, you know, a team member, but we need to have these conversations to have more than communication. It's a dialogue, right? We mm -hmm. need to be understanding each other back and forth. It kind of goes back to what John Abbott said, right? He's like the biggest illusion of communications is that people assume that it's happening, right? <laughs> right? So if you stop back and think of yourself as a leader, maybe you think you're communicating, but maybe you're just talking at somebody. You're not actually having a dialogue back and forth. Um, so it, it's a good perspective for you to step back and stop and think, well, you know, I'm the leader of this team. Ultimately, the performance of everybody here is my responsibility. Um, and I have to figure out why I'm failing them, right? And maybe it's that one thing when you step back and you look at it, you're like, it goes back to the Tommy Reed thing. Was it Q, uh, question to statement ratio, QSR? Oh, yeah. Maybe he's making more statements than he is asking questions and letting the team members work through the ideas themselves to come to the conclusion to give them some type of... Um, you know, feedback to let them let them work through ideas themselves. Because in the end, if we micromanage everybody, like I said, we'll all just be standing around on social media wasting our time, right? Well, and tied into the theme of remote workforce, here's another perfect example of that. If you've got some kind of IM client, you know, whether it's Skype, Teams, Slack, you know, you name it, um, 
there tends to be some form of telepresence built into that, right? So you have a clear understanding just at a glance. Is somebody available? Are they in a meeting? Uh, do they have do not disturb set? And, you know, if you get to a point where you're not actually working physically in the same place together and you notice that uh, Jimmy Joe's uh, telepresence shows him always available and yet he never responds to any of the ims that you're sending um, jimmy and joe <laughs> it, it's, he's got uh, two first names i can't trust him no. <laughs> i'm just joking gets, <laughs> that's an old you. comedy bit i can't remember who it was but uh, sorry i digress <laughs> well it gets you to a place where you can have some of those conversations right yeah uh, and I noticed that you always show that you're available, and yet the last three times that I've IM'd you, uh, you don't reply. I noticed that things go into missed conversations in the inbox, and uh, you know, you're not responding in a timely fashion. Um, here's what I need from you. I am going to now set the expectation uh, that we are going to communicate on a frequent basis, and um, if you're not at your console and you just happen to set your default to show that you're always available and <laughs> that's not really the case um then let's do Wait, you mean i can set it to 180 <laughs> minutes before it goes to inactive right. so, so let's, got 180 let's, minutes to do whatever i want brian <laughs> let's make sure that we've got some alternate methods of communication established mm -hmm. whether that's you know an im client that's also on your mobile device uh, is it easier for me to text you versus using IM or email, you know, and, and then you open the door to have those conversations. Mm -hmm. And that's where the leadership component comes into me. Sure. And uh, I'm going to bring up something too, and it might sound completely crazy, but when we think about remote work, one of the biggest entities I can think of that has figured this out is actually the U.S. federal government. Right. Um, we always think of the U.S. federal government as this big monolithic thing, but somehow for the like the last 15 years, they figured out how to have a workforce that can be mostly remote. Right. People show up in the office or they take telework days. And um, if this big monolithic organizational entity can figure this out, there's no reason why smaller organizations can't figure it out. You know, um, some of these things I've seen, they set clear defined rules about what they expect of their people. They're like, okay, you know, um, you know, maybe you're FDA or something like that. And you work at the headquarters and the headquarters is Eastern standard time based. And they go, okay, well, from 11 AM to 3 PM Eastern standard, no matter which time zone you're in, you must be available. It doesn't matter where you are. So we're setting, they're setting clear defined rules and expectations that they expect of people. And these are the type of things we always look at, you know, any government agency like, oh, the red tape. But if you go back and look <laughs> at things like what they're doing, these are good ideas, right? They're like, okay, do whatever you want between the times here, but Eastern Standard Time, whether you're in Greenwich Meridian Time or your Pacific Time, or maybe you're in Australia, 11 to 3 Eastern Time, you need to be on and available and on your computer because that's when we do business over here. Yeah. Um, and I think some of it's, like you said, it's just, you know, us as leaders with commu communicating down our chain of command, letting them know what's important, why they need to be on at those times, and, and the things we expect. Like you said, it's, it's us having a dialogue with clear expectations, and it's nothing different than if they're here in front of us or if they're working thousands of miles away. 
Absolutely. And, you know, it brings up a good point as well. Uh, for most of my uh, corporate life as a manager, I have had uh, at least part, if not all of the teams that report to me, reporting from a variety of locations that are not the same physical location that mm -hmm. I'm in. I've worked for companies that are, you know, geographically dispersed. Uh, and uh, there have been times where uh, I've been uh, isolated from my reporting structure where, you know, the person that I report to, uh, he and I don't work in the same city uh, or she and I. And uh, I've also been in the situation where I've had an entire team, you know, half a dozen people uh, who not one of them are actually physically located in the same location. Um, and this was before the days of really uh, discussions around remote work policy. And yet here you are, you know, effectively having that type of uh, dynamic in place. So to me, all of the same principles still apply, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's back to having effective communication, having those expectations established and holding people accountable. Now there's also the component of offshoring, right? Now for 25 years or more, I've interacted with teams that not only are not based physically in the same office that I'm in, but they're not even in the same part of the world <laughs> that I'm working in. Yep. And often are working in cycles where I could not be monitoring them to micromanage them if I wanted to, because I'm in bed when they're <laughs> getting the things done that are expected of them. But uh, your, your comment about the way that the federal government operates, you know, kind of uh, triggered that thought for me because, you know, there have had to be some overlap uh, windows of time that you establish uh, so that you make sure, okay, these are the times that we're going to be able to have meetings um, where people are actually still at work. And in some cases, you know, I've, uh, back to my, you know, working overseas example, um, I've had to have some of those meetings where it's nine o'clock at night in the place that I'm at. But that just happens to be the time that I can have a standing consistent mm -hmm. meeting with another team that's halfway around the world. Yeah, no, things like that are awesome because that was communicated to you, right? So you know what to expect right away. It's not thrown upon you randomly um, when you've been remote working for two months. You know, the time to have that conversation was right before you went remote work, um, not not any time. Like these are, what's so funny is we talk about these, but these are things that leaders should just be doing in general, whether whether you're remote working or you're not. Um, and sometimes I have seen in the past that um, leaders of teams who are remote, whose teams are remote, sometimes have better relationships with their employees than the than the team leaders who have employees at work right there for them. Um, because it's more, I guess it's more top of mind of them to do these things than it is to somebody when, you know, they're a leader and their team's located in the exact same location. Well, and part of that could be because communication, right? Success is so dependent on clear communication. And the bottom line is your workforce wants to be successful in whatever mm -hmm. it is that they're doing. And they want to be recognized for their success. So that's another piece that as a leader, you, you want to ensure uh, that you are reinforcing the actions and the activities uh, that that you want, right? As mm -hmm. part of the relationship, 
you need to reward that. You need to call it out. You need to reinforce it with positive comments, with, uh, you know, positive recognition in front of other peers on the team so that it helps create that socializing effect where it just bakes it into your culture. So it's no longer just a, man, I thought I was doing this great job and I don't even get an attaboy. Um, and that makes it even more difficult when you're physically, you know, not within arm's reach. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I think to your point, Nick, I think that's, that's part of, you know, where that could come from, where you've got those better relationships because so much is really dependent on the communication being clear. Yeah. And I'll go back again and I'll say, it's not going to be just dialogue, right? It needs to be more than one way talking at somebody, right? It needs to be actual, um, conversation back and forth um, with feedback both directions. <laughs> Incidentally, uh, every one of these episodes that you have done, you and I have done, uh, with the exception of the one uh, with Tom O'Neill, uh, you and I have not physically been in the same location, <laughs> and, and yet we're still looking at each other just as if we're sitting across the desk from one another. Uh, you know, we're in different time zones, so we're, we're effectively accomplishing some time travel uh, at the same time that we're having a you're in the future right now brian (laughs) (laughs) you're two hours in the future right now but you're also at the same concurrent time (laughs) same time right now too (laughs) that's right that's right all right nick i'm going to ask you the question that you always ask so um i don't know are there books that you're aware yes yes so um uh the, the founders of 37 Signals, um, geez, what's his name? Jason Freeld? God, I'm gonna, uh, and geez, yeah, you're gonna. Jason Freed and David Heinmeier Hansen. Hansen, yeah. They wrote a book called Remote, which is just all about how they, um, you know, built Basecamp. Because, you know, initially, if you've read Rework, they, they didn't start Basecamp. It was, that was their own project management tool they built for themselves. And they were doing, um, what was it, like marketing consulting or something like that. They were building right. websites and stuff. Right. Um, and, you know, when they started Basecamp and doing all this, they, they grew this company with a 100% completely remote workforce. And they just go through, it's a really short read, like Rework. You can probably read it in, you know, an afternoon. Um, but it just goes through all their thoughts and ideas about remote teams. And a lot of it just kind of reinforces exactly everything we said. Um, and, and you know, it's a good read because how big is Basecamp? I mean, they have to have a few million users um, and a decent amount of revenue. And somehow they make a completely remote team work. Um, like I said, it's a great read. And then the other book I would recommend because we talked a lot about leadership concepts is um, – Another one by my favorites, Jocko Willink and Leif Babin called The Dichotomy of Leadership, right? We talk about how do we balance, you know, giving our teams freedom and then also checking into them. That's a, you know, a crazy balance. How do you give them enough freedom, but then you're also coming in and verifying them? Um, that That's another great book. I would recommend that people just read in general, even if you have remote workers or not. That's what about great. you, Brian? Uh, I do not have any books, but I find it curious that we just pimped uh, the uh, founders of Basecamp uh, two weeks in a row because <laughs> we just. Oh, well, we don't about know it. when we're going to publish this yet. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you can just edit that out. Um, so, uh, you know, 
Well, one thing that I was going to say about Basecamp that that I think is also intriguing is the idea that you create an application that's designed to be limited in purpose, right? Um, and uh, and so from a, you know a development perspective, uh, I think it's interesting that uh, Thirty Seven Signals built something based on the premise that hey, we want people to outgrow this. Right. We, we created this for the purpose of how can we make this remote interaction as effective as possible. Um, but as a product, we're really not going to grow it beyond this thing that it is. You know, mm -hmm. we're not going to continue to load it with features and updates and, you know, all of the things that you would normally expect from a SaaS application because what you see is what you get. And this is really what enabled this uh, remote interaction between us to mm -hmm. be more effective so so i think that's uh that's always something that i've admired about uh their approach and kind of having that discipline um so you know i don't have any books that i would necessarily uh call out you know there's uh uh just doing a quick google search you know it looks like a couple of the uh the top results that come up are the long distance leader and uh work together anywhere so um mm -hmm. could be uh you know intriguing to to explore but again from for me uh whether you're working in the same office or you're geographically dispersed the principles of leadership behind how you interact and lead teams uh they're the same so um, ding, 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 ding. Really, you, you, could, you could pick up any of the aforementioned leadership books that we've discussed in the past uh, and i think any of them would be applicable in terms of how can you be effective with this kind of policy very well said and i think with that um we, we can wrap this episode can't we heck yeah all right thanks brian thank you nick <laughs>